season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shrigland and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have former Indiana Bulls outfielder and Penn Baseball incoming freshman Gavin Collins on the JKR Podcast for the final week of the Indiana Baseball Series. Gavin, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing good, man. And hey, to get started, you know, thanks for coming on the show. You know, pumped to have you. I know you had a great season there at Northridge. What was it, like a, you know, 10, 11 home runs? I know you completely dominated the competition up there in Northeast Indiana. Uh, but before we dig into baseball, first question I always like to ask everybody is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Gavin Collins? Uh, Gavin's a baseball player. For, uh, I'm an outfielder. I'm from northern Indiana. I uh, play at Northridge, like you said kind of come from a small town but you know just trying to really make it out hopefully I can do something with my life uh going to the big city in Philly at UPenn so that's going to be really exciting but overall I'm a competitor on the field and I try to be the best okay awesome so before we dig into that small town and Northridge High School ball let's dig into travel baseball with the Indiana Bulls kind of take us through your travel baseball experience you know kind of what that was like you know maybe before the Indiana Bulls getting connected with them just you know take us through that travel experience yeah, so I grew up playing for a small town called the Middlebury Mavericks, which was a bunch of kids from my hometown that played travel ball around like Warsaw, some BPA tournaments. And we were always all right. But then we'd go down to Grand Park, play those big teams and we just get smacked. So then I played for the Michiana Scrappers, which was kind of Michigan and, and Indiana. It was pretty similar to the uh, Mavericks, but just a little bit better competition. But we'd still go down to Grand Park and we, you know, we just couldn't win tournaments. We couldn't win games. So obviously playing at Grand Park, you hear about the Bulls. And I went to a tryout one year and just felt it was right. I met the coaches. Tony Cookerly was my first coach. I actually really liked him and uh, had a few phone calls with him and was like, you know what, this is I, I played white for my first year. But I mean, I, it was a great fit. It was definitely better than the competition I was playing at. So we would actually compete uh, at that Grand Park level at, you know, 13, 14 U. 
Yeah. So starting off with Bulls White, I know you mentioned there that you played for Bulls Gray for a summer as well. You know, going from all those different levels, Bulls White, Bulls Gray, Bulls Black, you know, for you going through those three different areas of that Indiana Bulls program, you know, how do you kind of see the difference, you know, amongst those three teams? Yeah, there's a huge difference. So growing up when I was 13, 14, you, I was not, I didn't physically have the stature to be a D1 kid. I was kind of underdeveloped, not like, you know, Clark was at, at, at 15. I was just not that kind of guy. So when I tried out, I made white and I had an okay year. I was always a good in-game player, but I never had those stats really like at a PBR showcase that some other D1 kids had at that time. So played white for a year. All right. And then at the tryout again, the next year I was on gray and then I had a standout year and kind of started to develop my body a little bit better. So I played really well that year and then came back to the tryout for the Bulls and made the 17U black team. So I had a big difference in level and competition each throughout those years, because when you're playing white, obviously you're still seeing everybody's uh, number one pitcher. And then gray, once you start to get there, you don't see that same competition because they're like, okay, well, you're the third team of the Indiana Bulls at your age group. But then when you go to black, you know, they're seeing you guys, they're seeing the black team as the best team for that age. So they're thinking we need to win game and so definitely the pitching level that you'll see on on a regular basis is different yeah so you know as you're jumping around from you know bulls white bulls gray bulls black how were you able to build relationships with you know different coaches i know there's different coaches at each age group and then also for each white gray black team but then also for teammates because obviously if you're jumping around i mean i'm sure you're not on that same exact team every summer you know what were some of those relationships you're able to build um, it was definitely a little tough because each year you have different coaches. Um, like I said, my first year with white, I had a great coach that I hit it off with Tony Cookerly. He was a nice guy. Then the next year, Brad Pearson, who was another former high school coach. So, I mean, they're all nice guys, so it's easy to build relationships with them, but you're never really on that personal level because you're only with them for a year. And it's the same with students too, because are the players too, because you, you're only with them for a year and everybody goes to a different high school. So it's not like you're talking to them about, you know, some other kids that don't play baseball. So you never really have that like friendship, friendship with a bunch of the teammates, but I mean, everyone's cool. Everyone's nice, but we talked, we talked to each other with what we can. Yeah. So for you, for you having, you know, a pretty good understanding on what this Indiana bulls programs, like obviously going from, you know, all, all those different levels with the bulls, what do you think has led to that Indiana Bulls success? Obviously, they've built a great program here these last couple of years. You know, have you know consistent Division One prospects like yourself going out every year. You know, what do you think has led to that Indiana Bulls success? It's definitely coaching. Um, plus, their name is just the the program that they have built is uh, a standard for good players to want to come. So the coaching that they have is it's top tier. That and then since they've already had a bunch of D1 kids and a bunch of good kids go through their program that attracts other kids. So they're just building on top of what they've had. Yeah. So looking back on our, for, you know, Michiana scrappers, looking back at the Middlebury, I think you said Mavericks. Um, and then in the Indiana, yeah. Bowl, um, you know, just looking back at your entire travel baseball career, you know, what are just some of those favorite travel baseball memories that come to mind? Cause you know, you're always, you're always having fun off the field with some of your teammates and maybe doing some cool stuff on the field. Just what are a couple of those just favorite travel baseball memories that come to mind? I have to say it's gotta be 12, 13 U at the Michiana scrappers because that friend group that I had was a little bit closer. We all grew up in relative schools, so we knew the same people. So the friendship was more there. But we played at a tournament in Cedar Point, 
which we ended up winning that tournament. But with that tournament, it comes, you get free uh, tickets to the Cedar Point rides. And it was just, it was a blast going to, going on all those rides with my friends. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, so, you know, with you playing for those local teams, Michiana Scrappers, Middlebury Mavericks, yeah. and you did switch to that Indiana Bulls, even though it was the white team at that moment in time. What was just maybe some of the differences, some of the similarities you saw between the Bulls program and then some of those local areas as well? Uh, there's not much, honestly. I mean, it's just there's different locations that you're playing at. So we played with Michiana Scrappers. We played pretty locally. Um, you would see some of the best guys uh, locally uh, be just as good as some of those Grand Park guys. That was probably the biggest similarity. But, I mean, those Grand Park guys were always – top tier at that age at 14 15 you because you weren't traveling down there unless you were unless you were pretty good yeah i'm sure so this year you know this summer for your 18 new year playing for the prp mambas i know that team's got you alec hirschberger john curl i've also seen there i've been seeing a couple of tweets throughout this summer as you guys went and played for your first tournament but you know just what are you looking forward to most of playing for prp you know maybe the difference you've already seen between them and the indiana bulls you know what's that kind of looking like this summer um, I'm really excited. Yeah, we got, I think, 36 kids, almost all of them, but are committed to all but one, maybe. Uh, I'm pretty much just looking to get at-bats in against some good D1 arms to get ready for next year. I mean, that's really the goal. If we're playing 18-year tournaments, every arm that we're going to see is committed somewhere. So they're going to be, you know, upper 80s, low 90s. So it's it's just going to be trying to get good at-bats, get quality swings in and, you know, do my best and just get ready for the freshman season. Okay, so let's make that transition to high school ball. Like we like we talked about earlier, you know, from a small town there in Middlebury playing for Northridge. I think you had a pretty great good year this year. I can't remember the exact stat, but it was it was quite a few home runs I saw. Um, kind of take us through, I guess, just your entire high school experience. You know, your sophomore, junior year, going into your senior year as well, where you pretty much dominated this Northeast baseball competition. You know, kind of take us through your high school experience. Yeah, so freshman year, I believe i would have played varsity uh we had it was 11 seniors for a 1300 school uh class or which is just ridiculous for us but we would have been pretty good that year it was unfortunate the covid year but then all those seniors graduated uh sophomore year i batted fourth i batted around 300 i did all right but we had a just not a lot of seniors we were an all right team um ended up i want to say third in the conference that year um, was still kind of developing as a player at that point in my in my career. But then we got a new coaching staff my junior year, and that's really when I, I took off. So I they put me in the leadoff spot, which I'm not typically a leadoff hitter, but um, I ended up getting the most at-bats on the team, which is really what they were looking for. And I think I batted around 520 my junior year, and I led the state in doubles. So I did, you know, really well as a, as a leadoff guy, just trying to get on base. I think my on-base percentage was around six, 700. So I did my job there. Uh, ended up losing to Penn and sectionals that year. I mean, just a tough team. They, you know, they won state that year. So played well. Uh, senior year was pretty much a repeat. Just didn't have the doubles. I batted one hit below 500. I know it's a little unfortunate, but I was but didn't have as many doubles as I did uh, the previous year, but I ended up having 10 home runs, which I think was second or third in state. So kind of a different role, but I mean, I still got the job done. 
Yeah. So, you know, coming in with that new coaching staff, you said they came in your junior year with you already having, you know, that one full year of experience. And you also could have had, you know, your freshman year as well, if it wasn't for COVID, were you maybe one of those guys that, you know, maybe helped the coaching staff, you know, just get adjusted to Northridge high school baseball. And then how are you maybe stepping up as a leader in the dugout with some of your teammates, you know, being, you know, a guy who has some experience, your junior, your senior year this year, you know, maybe how are you were a leader kind of you was helping, you know, helping players, helping some coaches. Yeah, so I remember the first practice, the coaches came to me and they're like, hey, we saw your max prep stats last year. You know, you batted 300 as a sophomore. Um, we know you're a guy that's going to definitely play as a junior. Um, he was just asking really, what's the breakdown of our whole team? What did we what did we struggle with last year? What who's, Who do we have coming back that's going to be really good? So that's kind of how I helped the coaches transition into our school because they came from a different high school. So it was definitely a little bit different for them. Um, but then as a leader, I'm not a very big vocal guy, but um, I try to help out my teammates as much as I can in the box because they do they do like to have some advice if they can take it. But when it comes to being a leader, I'm it's hard for me to be a vocal guy because that's just not really who I am. I try to lead by example. So one of the biggest things that I've noticed throughout my high school year is when I batted leadoff, if I got on uh, in that first inning, it definitely changed the momentum for the whole game as opposed to like not getting on. So that's how I tried to try to lead is uh, getting on base. Definitely getting to that pitcher in the first inning. So you mentioned Penn high school baseball there a couple of questions ago. I mean, I know they're in state this year. They were state champions last year. I mean, Northern Indiana baseball competition was pretty darn good. You got Westview there as well, which is, I believe some sort of rival there with Westview. If you kind of had to look at just what your spring schedule is looking like, how would you kind of just explain what Northeast Indiana baseball competition is looking like? Oh, it's tough. I mean, every team's got one good pitcher. So, and if you're a team like we were, um, I believe we only lost a handful of games, but we're seeing a lot of guys as aces because you just don't have that competition to to throw a number three or number four to even compete in a, in a Northeastern game. So a lot of the times the, the number ones are getting thrown and it, it's really tough, man. It's, it's a dogfight out there. I mean, their guys are trying to win and it, it means a lot. So while you guys are facing everyone's ace and everyone's number one throughout the spring, who would be, and I think I might already know the answer to this, but who would be the toughest pitcher that you had to face, you know, whether that's this spring, last spring as well, you know, who's just that toughest pitcher here in Northeast Indiana? That's tough. I want to say Layman just because sectionals, I mean, he threw a two hitter in our sectional game. Uh, the guy th is, is a phenomenal catcher, but on the mound, he's good too. He, he was sitting 88, 89 and then threw a 70 mile an hour curveball. I mean, he two hit our entire team played really well. He was good. Yeah, I'm sure that that's 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 exactly who I was thinking. I thought it could have yeah. been, you know, Max Engel. I've heard some great things about him as well. That he, you know, he's a pretty pretty darn good pitcher too. But final question: When it comes to high school ball, travel baseball, obviously, you know, playing with pretty good competition up here in Northeast Indiana, playing travel baseball for the Indiana Bulls. How would you kind of compare travel baseball to high school ball? You know, maybe what's tougher, what that mindset change is there going from high school ball to travel ball. You know, what's that looking like? Uh, it's, there's a huge difference. So in high school, if you, you know, if you go one for four and you guys lose, I mean, you're pretty upset about that, but, and then you start reflecting about what you could have done better. If you go three for four and you guys lose, you're also still upset about that because when you have, you know, your, your school on your Jersey, I mean, you want to win local games. You want to be the best, but meanwhile, in travel, if you go three for three and you guys lose, I mean, it's just not that big of a deal because you know that you played well. It doesn't mean as much to you as a team. If you lose, you're just really trying to showcase yourself. But I mean, in high school, if you, 
if you do well and then you lose as a team, it, it hurts a lot more. It really does because you want to win all those local games. You want to have you know your name at the top, especially when people you know are watching and you're playing against people you know. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but no, so I see that pen logo there on your sweatshirt. Let's go ahead and dig into the whole recruiting process. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of take us through that. You know, when to get started, when do you start getting noticed by some D1 team? You know, just kind of take us through that recruiting process. Yeah. So like I said, growing up 13, 14, 15 you, I was not one of those developed early guys. I didn't really have the stats. So growing up, I, I really wanted to play at IU. Um, both my parents went there and my brother was there now. He's actually a junior. So I just grew up a Hoosier. And I realized pretty early around 14 or 15 that I was not developed enough, which is when they started recruiting to actually go there and play. So the goal for me was then to just go there, be going to Kelly, just be a student and ended up, you know, going pretty late into my high school career until I realized that I could actually play baseball somewhere. So around 17 U, I started developing more. I hit the gym a little bit and lost a lot of weight, put on a lot of muscle, got a lot of faster and or I got a lot faster and played 17U Black, went through the season, getting a few D1 offers, didn't really have a connection with any of the schools that I liked, uh, had, told a lot of schools no, till I got that uh, pen text and I was like, man, I can really use my baseball skills to, you know, go to a good academic school, which in theory is better than Kelly. So Penn was actually recruiting uh the pitcher that we were seeing on some saturday morning and i did i think really well of him I hit a ball like 105 off the bat off that guy ended up being an out but it got the pen uh pitching coach's attention so he, he followed me to the next game ended up hitting a home run off another solid pitcher and just ended up got the text and i was researching their campus researching their facilities and i i really loved it i never really knew how much of a good strong academic and baseball school they were at the time uh, until I started researching it, but ended up taking the visit a few weeks later and just almost instantly committed because when you're coming from a small town in northern Indiana, I mean, that Philly campus really looks nice to you. So it it, it was real. It, it happened really fast. And uh, I'm so glad that I did it because I can actually use my baseball to go to a very good academic school, which I might not have gotten into otherwise. Yeah, I'm sure. So with you being an older guy, as the whole recruiting process was kind of, you know, ramping up there for you. What were some of those initial conversations you were having with coaches, having with teams, you know, maybe some questions that they were asking you, questions you were asking them, you know, what did some of those just initial conversations look like? Uh, I would always get the text like saying, Hey, um, this is so-and-so from this college. And I would always be like, I mean, thank you for reaching out, but I just really had no interest just because I was a Hoosier at heart. I mean, it, it would have been hard for me to go to any other school for, to not play baseball at um, that I had no connection to. So I would get some texts from like uh, Southern Illinois, some Wabashes, some like D3s. I ended up actually having a, a few conversations with Butler and Michigan State, but I, I, I mean, I just really didn't have a connection with any schools. And so I, I pretty much told a lot of schools over the phone, I'm good before even taking a visit. And, but Penn actually was one of those schools that caught my eye. So you were actually get you were actually getting offers from schools to go play college baseball, and you were still thinking you thought you thought IU was the place for you to go be a regular student. Yeah, just because I value academics so much, um, I've always been very good in the classroom. I've had a high GPA my whole high school career, and I just always thought Kelly was going to be was going to be the school for me until you know Penn texted me that it changed everything. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know. I know Kelly is a is a damn tough school. My so I go to IU. My room, both my roommates are in Kelly, and I see I see all the work they have to go through uh, week by week, all the different homework they got, and 
just like, I didn't know. So yeah, Kelly, Kelly's a pretty, pretty good school, but um, so as you're going through that, you know, take us through that official visit at Penn. You say you fall in love with it right away, downtown Philadelphia. I know that's a pretty nice city there. Um, just kind of take us through that visit, kind of what you were seeing and you know, when it kind of hits you. Okay. You know, I think, I think Penn's the place for me. So uh, Penn is like right outside of Philly. I mean, you can literally see in Philly from the top of its buildings. Um, so it still has that city feeling. All the buildings are kind of old timey there, but they're all renovated. Nice. I mean, the, the uh, university was founded by uh, Ben Franklin. So, I mean, it's, it, it just kind of gives off that feeling. Um, and right away I knew it was for me because of the the stature and the feeling of the, the campus itself. I've been to IU. I've been to a lot of those, those uh, colleges and they just didn't give off the same feeling that it did for me. Um, so I, as I was walking around, I uh, toured Wharton, which is their business school. I toured a lot of their libraries, uh, a lot of their dining halls, uh, the field, obviously, and, and just knew that the city feeling, because I've growing up, I've always wanted to live in a city. I just knew that it, it was for me. I mean, it, it it's kind of hard to explain, but if you if you visited UPenn, you would know what I'm talking about. But it's just it's a surreal. It's a surreal place. Yeah. So as you're going through that, you go through the visit, you commit, you officially sign there uh, probably the fall of last year. You know, what were yeah. some of those, uh, just kind of take us through the relationships you've been able to build with that Penn coaching staff, you know, going through the commitment, the signing process, you know, now being an incoming freshman here, you know, I'm assuming, you know, not you know, maybe two months away from now going to actually the university, um, you know, what's that relationship you've been able to, been able to build with that Penn coaching staff? Uh, obviously it's been great. I, I first met the pitching coach, so I got to know him really well. And then I got in contact with their, uh, hitting coach as well. And then, uh, the guy that I'll be working with more my, uh, freshman year. But when I went there, love the head coach, John Yurko. I mean, he's just a wiry guy. He, you know, loves how he talks about the game. He's got a lot of passion, doesn't really screw around much, but he's a good guy. Uh, built a huge relationship with the, during that, um, 17 U Bulls year, they would always ask like, Hey, how are you doing this tournament? And then uh, their pitching coach came and actually watched another game after I had already committed um, just to see how I was doing. I mean, that that meant a lot to me because he really didn't have to drive, you know, an hour out of his way in Georgia to go see how one of his recruits was doing after he had already committed. Um, and then constantly throughout the year, they I always see them liking my tweets, uh, especially that our high school um, posts out on Twitter, like saying, hey, Gavin had a good game. And uh, they're always liking it. And then they're always texting me afterwards saying like, hey, save some of those hits for next year. I mean, they're really excited for me coming. <laughs> they're really excited for me coming up next year. Yeah, I'm sure. So as we as, let's stay on the topic of relationships, you know, talk about some of your, you know, future teammates. You know, who are some of those guys maybe in your signing class, maybe some guys who are already there on campus that you've already, you know, established somewhat of a relationship with, maybe some guys that you're already talking to. Um, what just what are those looking like with your future teammates? Not it's not a whole lot. I mean, none of them are from Indiana. I know there's one kid from Michigan who goes to uh, St. Mary's, which I don't know if you've ever heard of St. Mary's, but th that's a huge baseball school. I think they have something crazy of like 13 power five kids. I mean, uh, his name's Anthony. He goes there. I know my roommates from Jersey, but other than that, I mean, we just text a little bit, but there's not a huge relationship, but all of them seem like great guys. Um, and I'll just get to know them, you know, even more in two months. So I'm looking forward to it. Kind of going in there. 
So as you talk about stepping on campus there for in a couple months, you know, what is that plan? So obviously you have this summer playing for the PRP Mambas. You know, what's that plan when it comes to getting to campus? Are you getting there earlier than, you know, some of the other students? What's that looking like? Kind of what's that plan as you head into, you know, late summer, you know, early fall? Uh, I'll get there on normal time, late August, uh, I believe the 21st. So I'll I'll be there at uh, the same time any other student will be there and haven't really heard much about when practices will start. I'm sure they will um, play a little bit of fall ball with them, do some inner squads um, and then just get the season rolling. So, I mean, I'm excited. I'm really excited for it. Mm -hmm. So when you do get to campus, what are some of those expectations of, you know, just your first fall playing division one baseball, being around all those different guys? What are some of those expectations you have? Obviously, I want to do well. Uh, when I took my visit, they told me that they could see me being a DH at least uh, my freshman year. So I've been told I can impact the team at an early age. So that's what I expect to do. Obviously, I'm not expecting it to be handed to me. I know I got to work for it. But I mean, I know that I have the skill level to uh, to come in and, and be a very good freshman for them and yeah. actually impact. So, ha- so having that opportunity to play there as a freshman, what's the outlook on some of the some of the guys that Penn has returning? Just in terms of some guys in the outfield that may be leaving, maybe you know a couple a couple guys who were filling that DH role this past spring. Do you know kind of know what that outlook is on that you know Penn roster this upcoming this upcoming season? Yeah, so they started one freshman all year who was a infield. They have kind of a weird outfield situation, so they have. One freshman who started as a second baseman, he committed as an infielder and they actually moved him to the outfield, even though they had, I believe it was five or six uh, outfielders that were mainly outfielders and they moved this kid to the outfield. So that kind of shows me that they're looking, you know, the, the, their backup guys right now are not that, uh, not that strong. Um, So they moved an infielder to the outfield and then actually for regionals, they moved that same kid back in the infield and then put a different freshman that was an infielder back out in right field. So that really strikes me as they're looking for somebody that can produce well at that spot. Yeah. So it, it's promising to me, but I mean, and then they have, I believe one center fielder, that's a senior. So he'll be graduating and I'm the only outfielder in my class. So I, that really helps me. But I think in total I'll have, they'll have five or six outfielders, but two of them, will be returning from last year yeah so you talk about those regionals what kind of what was that excitement this past spring falling along through Penn's season seeing them you know winning quite a few games going to you know the NCAA tournament you know kind of what what was that excitement and how you know how close did you follow along this spring just knowing that you know some of those guys are going to be your teammates in the fall oh it was it was nuts um I believe if they would have beaten Southern Miss they would have been the win the first Ivy League team to win a regional um it would have been nuts they were texting in the group chat um with some of the kids that are there now saying hey if we win this we're gonna get some awesome gear next year I mean they were really excited so they ended up beating Auburn which was nuts uh and then Auburn ended up losing pretty pretty easily uh was kind of surprised by that so beat Auburn and then they beat Southern Miss so then they go to 2-0 and and all they have to do is win one more game and they win the regional and so then they ended up having to play Southern Miss again but Southern Miss has to beat them twice before Penn uh, has to beat them once and uh, end up kind of choking a little bit. Southern Miss, Southern Miss beat them twice, which really hurts. But, I mean, they made it really far, and they did they did pretty well. I mean, I'm very proud of the guys, and uh, I'm just excited to be a part of it next year. Yeah, obviously, any time that you're making the NCAA tournament, you know, that's that's a sign of a pretty darn good year. Uh, but let's, yeah. go, let's dig into the last baseball segment I had. 
Um, so like you, you were talking about earlier, which is the whole pen outfield situation. I know you are a primary outfielder. Also see that you you play a little bit of first base as well from your, you know, PG PBR account. Kind of what is that plan? I know you talk about DH, but what is that plan as you get to that next level? Are you sticking in the outfield in your head? Maybe moving to the infield? I know you said pen kind of, you know, it's kind of moving players around quite a bit. You know, what's that plan? And then where do you kind of see yourself sticking when it comes to the, you know, the outfield spot, whether that's the corner, whether that's center field? You know, just kind of what what's going on there? Um, growing up, I was a little chunkier, so I played first base. Uh, and then I, I, I started to slim out, get a little faster, so I had to move to uh, outfield. So I've always been like a uh, – I could, I've always been a dual threat. I could always play first base or outfield. Um, I have instincts at first base, but I, I also have instincts in the outfield. I haven't played first base in a minute, but, I, I mean, I can pick it up easily. So I committed as an outfielder. And I plan on seeing in uh, corner outfield. I can play center. Just never really did it though, um, because I switched to outfield so late. I never grew up playing uh, as a primary outfielder. So they've always stuck me out and left in my high school year when I, especially when I was a sophomore. That was the key year for me going to outfield. Um, so ended up just developing instincts and seeing the ball really well from left field. But I'll, I'll be there um, either left or right field for uh, Penn my freshman year if okay. I, you know, ended up starting roster okay so with you being a primary left fielder is it kind of tough for you to switch over to right field like is there a little bit of a, a, an approach change there for you or what's that look like uh just my first step needs to change I need, you need to know that the ball spins a little bit different but I grew uh my sophomore year I played a little bit of right field too I mean any corner outfield spot I can play pretty easily it's just center when you we start to see the ball a little bit different and uh because I'd never really had those instincts as a center fielder. So it's a little bit different. And then I also, I actually played center a couple games of my senior year, but it was a little tough because I realized I had to cover a lot more ground than I did in left field. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was all right. It was just a little different. I need to get used to it, but I, I could definitely get it done. Yeah, I'm sure. So let's, let's flip it around to the hitting side of things. Obviously, you know, where you're there, you know, trying to be a DH there this, you know, next spring there for Penn. Uh, kind of take us through that hitting approach. You know, what's that looking like walking up to that batter's box? What's going through your mind? You know, just kind of take us through that hitting approach. Yeah, this year for high school, it was a little bit different. And last year, too, because I bat leadoff. And, you know, ever since I committed, even last year, too, I've been seeing a lot of first pitch curveballs of the game. And it's and sometimes I walk into like a Saturday game saying, hey, do you think this pitcher is really going to throw me a first pitch curveball to start the game? And it's like sometimes it does happen. But, I mean, you, you just got to approach and sit strikes. I mean, I want to work the count. I think I had. In two games of my senior year, my first at-bats, I'd hit the pitcher with a line drive back at him. So that's really my approach is just to really, you know, get in that pitcher's head in that first at-bat. I mean, that that was my goal. And just at at bare minimum, get get on base or at least hit a ball hard, you know, yeah. strikes fear. Yeah. So I know you said earlier that you're not that prototypical leadoff guy. I'm sure you aren't batting leadoff when you were playing for the Bulls, playing for PRP. Um, mm -hmm. Is there an approach change when you're, you know, hitting leadoff compared to hitting, you know, third, fourth, fifth in the lineup? A little bit, yeah. So I bet third for PRP, and then I think for bowls I've batted anywhere two through four. Um, obviously, you have the green light to swing more first pitches in that three, four spot because you're, you know, you've seen a couple more pitches, or at least the guys before you have. So I mean, you're trying to hit a ball hard at any count in the at bat, but when you bat leadoff though it's a little bit more tough because if you miss a ball on the first pitch of the game you're going to feel pretty bad about it especially to the guy that bats second or third behind you so I mean it you want to be more patient but you also still want to be aggressive at the same time it's kind of a it's kind of a double-edged sword yeah I'm sure so if the 
are you are you a big two strike approach guy, or for the most part, do you kind of keep it the same no matter what the count is? I keep it the same. That's something I really need to work on, especially when I get next year. Is is my swing doesn't change when I got two strikes. Um, I'm still looking. I might expand the zone a little bit, but the swing, I don't, I don't kill the stride. I never really had a big stride. I'm kind of a, a toe top guy. So I've always been on time. Um, I'm not a huge strikeout guy, so I, I've done really well at least putting the barrel on the ball, yeah. but um, yeah, the swing doesn't really change when I got two strikes. Yeah. So being a, being a toe tap guy, kind of take us through your mechanics, you know, what's that looking like from your load up through that follow through, what are those mechanics kind of looking like? I've always found that the higher that I put my hands, the better I can keep the barrel through the zone longer. And uh, it's, that's exactly what I just do. I keep my hands just about um, parallel to my ear. Um, as I load, everything feels very natural to me. I've never really gone to a hitting coach, maybe a little bit when I was younger, but didn't really teach mechanics that well. Just kind of always been a feel guy. So as I'm loading, I'm a toe tap guy. I try to stay back on my back foot and just unleash on a ball. But the biggest part for me is just, is really visualizing me finding a barrel on the ball. And, you know, more times than not, when you visualize it, you're going to end up doing it. Mm -hmm. So as you go through this summer, go through, you know, your first collegiate fall, first collegiate spring, looking into your development, what are just some of those key things that you're wanting to focus on, you know, put an emphasis on, you know, just, you know, take us through what that development's kind of looking like these next couple of months. Uh, I want to emphasize on arm strength. I, I've always had the, just a subpar arm. Uh, I think I was, my max pull down could be mid eighties, mid, mid to upper eighties. I've just never, I really had a strong arm. Plus I've developed tendonitis in my elbow last year. So I've always had some throwing problems. Um, and then also my ball kind of, I'm a lefty from the outfield. So it, my ball does tail a little bit from the outfield if I'm throwing it to a base. So I, I definitely need to work on that and uh, just getting some arm strength, which really hurts because I'm a big uh, powerlifting guy, so I, I have the strength, but I need to work on some throwing mechanics. Mm -hmm. So you say you're a lefty in the outfield. You know, you are kind of one of those, you know, rarities in the game of baseball, being a lefty thrower, rider, righty hitter. Um, you know, how did that come about? Like, did you just pick up a bat as a kid? You know, swinging righty. Did you want to swing righty? Have you ever become a try to become a switch hitter? You know, why? You know, kind of take us through that. You know, since you are, you know, one of those rarities in the game of baseball. Uh, I can hit lefty. It's all right. Um, I don't know if I could, would ever do it in game, but I mess around in practice sometimes. Sometimes the coaches get mad that I hit lefty, but I do it. Um, my dad was the same way. He threw lefty, batted righty, and then I'm also right-footed. So it's just we're kind of all over the place, but I, I got it from my dad. Okay. All right. So looking at your game's entirety, you know, from defense playing left field, right field, and if you want to throw in first base there too, to hitting, um, you know, just if you were a scout watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report that you'd write up on yourself? Um, I would definitely say I'm a gap to gap hitter. I try to find the barrel as much as I can. I don't really want to swing for the fences or strike out. Um, just trying to get on base, trying to hit line drives, trying to hit balls hard. And then the, in the outfield, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm just kind of there. Um, I, in left field doesn't get a whole bunch of balls, maybe two or so a game. Make some good plays. But, I mean, if you hit me a fly ball, if you hit me any play, I'm, I'm going to make it. Um, but yeah, I'm just a gap to gap hitter. That's where I really strike on from the recruiting standpoint. That's where I really, where I really do well is, uh, offensively. Okay. So la last segment here for, you know, like I said, I like to dig into more of the personal side of things to end off each podcast. So first off, you know, kind of take us through what maybe some of those passions are beyond the game of baseball. You got to, you know, maybe cope with some stress, maybe take your mind off of something. What are some of those passions, some of those hobbies you have beyond baseball? Uh, I love to play golf. Um, I live 
less than a mile away from one of the best country clubs in uh, northern Indiana. And uh, thankfully, I'm a member there. So I play all the time with my friends. Love to do that. Uh, also have a very good, solid friend group that loves to hang around. Uh, we, we're big gambling. We love to gamble. So, I mean, that helps me take my mind off of uh, off of baseball sometimes. And then just have fun with my friends pretty much. I mean, we're always on the course. We're either surfing. We're either um, playing poker together. I mean, we're doing all sorts of things. So, I mean, just friend group has been the biggest uh, stress reliever for me when I'm not playing baseball. So are you, when you're playing golf, are you a righty or are you a lefty swinger? I'm a righty. Yeah, I know. It's a little weird. So do you, do you think, and I've heard this is a myth, but do you think playing golf and playing baseball at the same time, do you think that messes up your baseball swing? Yeah. So I think that playing baseball messes up your golf swing more than, more than golf messes up your baseball swing. I've been playing baseball for so long that it, it's hard for me to just forget how to swing. Um, but I mean, I'll play golf, you know, let's say once or twice a week and then I'll go hit in the cages after when I'm done just to get that baseball swing more dialed in. But I mean, I play it more for fun, not really that serious, but, uh, it, it definitely could mess up your baseball swing. But I think for me, golf, my golf swing is more messed up than my baseball swing. Okay. All right. So on the, on the motivation side of things, you know, what is that deep down internally that helps you get out of bed every morning, helps you continuously evolve as a ball player, as a person, just what are some of those motivations that you have? Um, I definitely got to say just my public image. I mean, I really want to be seen as one of the best players from Northern Indiana, if not my school. Um, so that's really what motivates me. I want to be known as a Northern Indiana baseball player that that's, that's really good. And uh, when you think of one of the best players from our area, I just want I want other people to think of me and I just want to be the best at. Okay. So taking that question a little bit further, let's say you, you know, you, let's say you go ahead and become that best player from Northeast Indiana. What does that perfect picture of your life look like 20 years down the road? Everything's going right. What does that look like? <laughs> so going to Penn, I could either, you know, get a very good job at a, at a college or I could, I mean, they have a few kids that get drafted every year. Most of them are pitchers though, but uh, a lot of good MLB players came from the Ivy league. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, like the ace for um, Cubs. I mean, they've, they produce some good talent. So um, I could either, you know, if things are going right, it could go one of two ways. I'm either playing, uh, still playing baseball, which, there's a small chance that happens, but uh, the other route is I get a very good job and I'm doing well out of college. Um, ideally, I want to be working. I'm, I'm going for economics, so ideally I want to be working on Wall Street. Um, they have produced a lot of uh, New York guys coming out of UPenn so, since they're such a business-heavy school. So, I mean, that's cool, really. Yeah. So I saw when you when you're talking about on the business side of things, I saw as I was kind of doing a little bit of research that you're part of some, some sort of what, Elkhart? starter program startup program you know what exactly is that is that some sort of like business you have in mind and kind of you know what exactly is that oh elkhart county is the uh, rv capital of the world it's one of the i mean trump's visited here it's one of the most entrepreneurial um counties there are it's just there's so much money here from rvs which i mean you wouldn't believe how big the rv industry could be but i mean there's multi-million dollar companies all around us so Startup Moxie is a program that you take through. Um, it's an independent program, but you take it as a class um, and you tour a bunch of uh, of these plants pretty much. And you just learn about business and then you ended up 
starting your own business. Uh, so I did that program last year. I had a lot of fun. I made a lot of great connections in the business world, but um, I don't really plan on going into the RV industry, but it, it's kind of, it's nice to pick the brain of some of these uh, entrepreneurial guys that uh, how they've uh, made a living so far in the RV industry. Yeah. So was your business RV related or was it more just anything that you kind of wanted to do? No, it was anything that you wanted to do. Um, I believe we had a man. What was it? Yeah. So we pretty much just connected um, consumers and sellers, but we used um, these plants pretty much to uh, they, they would host a lot of these uh, RV industries would give us um, some parts of their uh, buildings that we could uh, stay in and they would uh, allow us to work and just learn about business pretty much. So it was, it was awesome. Um, and they allowed us to, yeah, I don't know, grow as little businessmen and businesswomen and just grow our entrepreneurial selves pretty much. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that I'm sure that was very beneficial. You know, I'm being from LaGrange, I'm pretty used to, you know, all those different RV factories as I'm going through. Yeah. I know that kind of trickles into Shipshawan and LaGrange area too, when it comes to all those different RV factories. And, you know, that's kind of what we're known for RVs and Amish people, I feel like. Um, but and I, I you'll probably have a little bit more being from Northridge, but um, final two more final two questions here for you before we end it off. First one, you know, go to playlist, you know, let's say you got a long drive, you're making that drive from, you know, this area to Penn or wherever, maybe to Grand Park, you know, what's that go to playlist that you're flipping on? And then final question, I'll just ask them back to back. Dream and IL brand. Now that you're graduated, you have that opportunity to capitalize on your name, image and likeness. You know, what would be that dream brand to endorse, partner with, collaborate, whatever, you know, just, you know, what would be that dream and IL brand? So playlist, if I'm on a long drive, I'm a big podcast guy. So I love podcasts. Uh, the Nail podcast is always a great one. Uh, one Night with Steiny. Uh, that's his spinoff. It, it's really funny. Um, but music wise, I, I'm getting into Big X the Plug, uh, kind of a new guy to the scene. He's got some hits. But I mean, my top three of all time have got to be Future Gunna. I want to say Baby. Um, they're all up there. They're all just really solid performers. Always get the always get me going. Um, have to say my dream nil deal uh that's a tough one i want to do some designer brand though that, i think that would be cool um maybe like a louis vuitton or a gucci uh wood bat would be pretty nice with my name on it so that that would be awesome okay awesome man well you know that's the final question here on the jcare podcast really appreciate you coming on the show um you know best of luck as you go through the rest of the summer with the prp mambas hopefully you guys are you know winning a couple tournaments here as your travel baseball career comes to an end you get to pen hopefully go dominate as you know hopefully that dh and that left fielder there next year uh next spring there at pen but best of luck the rest of your career man and again just thanks for coming on the show thank you thank you so much for having me it was fun